It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. My sister Crystal and her partner Dion joined me on my most recent road trip to Humboldt County. The three of us are great road trip companions, and there's always so much to catch up on. During our drive this time, the theme of doing it right kept coming up. Being honorable, intentional, and doing things the right way is a cornerstone of how I conduct myself in life and in business. And I think it shows. I find inspiration surrounding myself with others willing to do it right. The right way usually isn't the most popular or easiest or cheapest for that matter. And some will argue that doing the right thing as a human is subjective since we all have different value sets. The way I see it, Love, kindness, and compassion, those are universal. And if all of the micro decisions of your life are made from a place of love, kindness, and compassion, then hell, you're on the right path. It's as simple as that. You know when you're being a dick. We all do. And if you're my age, you also bought the t-shirt. And you probably bought it at Gadzooks. (laughs) Hashtag don't be a dick. But I digress. As consumers, one of our biggest responsibilities, and superpowers for that matter, is to be considerate of where we spend our hard-earned dollars. We're witnessing a time in our world where ecosystems, communities, and cultures everywhere are in collapse. And it might sound crazy, but caring where your food and cannabis comes from and how it's grown can really make a global impact. On today's podcast, we're getting a life lesson in farming from Daniel Stein. 
He was born to -to back-to-the-land homesteaders in Humboldt County and was raised in rural Hawaii. Daniel has been around small, diverse family farms his entire life and moved back to where it all began in 2000. And he began rebuilding his family's dilapidated homestead. He and his wife, Taylor, officially started Bryceland Forest Farm, a production veggie farm, in 2010. Daniel and Taylor spent time walking us through their gardens in a show-and-tell fashion, helping us understand the importance of what's happening in our soil as it relates to our plants and our planet, and the little things that we can do in our everyday lives to be better stewards of our community and share our part in the responsibility in caring for Mother Earth. Our host once we arrived in Humboldt was my friend Johnny Casali. He's the second-generation cannabis farmer from Huckleberry Hill Farms that you met on Podcast 73. And if you haven't listened, go back and do that. My audio is shit in that. I had a busted microphone, but it's good content. Anyway, Johnny is an excellent Humboldt cannabis Sherpa. Y'all, it was such a joyful experience to watch my sisters, who love the plant as much as I do, walk around a cannabis farm for the first time especially one like Huckleberry Hill Farms, where you can see the care and intention in every square inch of the place. We intended to visit Tina Gordon of Moonmade Farms while I was in the area, but as is the nature of farming, Tina and her crew experienced an unexpected setback and couldn't host us. Farming before interviews, I totally get it. So we'll talk about being a female pot farmer with Tina another time. In the interim, Johnny graciously connected me with the lovely family of Bryceland Forest Farm. Located in the lush forest of Humboldt County's Coast Range, Bryceland Forest Farm grows a diversity of cannabis, vegetables, herbs, and fruit on their family farmstead. Their goal is to share wholesome food and medicine with a community that embodies the elemental life force of our natural world while also restoring the ecosystem through loving stewardship. Seriously, it'll make your heart melt. No-till, permaculture, and biointensive techniques are their foundation, but they are always learning and striving to find better ways to care for the land and people through agriculture. They are truly an inspiration. Bryceland Forest Farm was awarded the 2017 Regenerative Cannabis Farm Award at the Emerald Cup in recognition of their ethical and earth-loving growing practices. Both Moonmade Farms and Bryceland Forest Farm are part of the Flocana farming family and are Sun and Earth certified regenerative farms. If you see the Sun Plus Earth label while shopping for bud, it certifies that cannabis brands are holistically, responsibly, and regeneratively grown for the well-being of all people, farmers, and the planet. The certification standards go above and beyond organic standards by promoting biodiversity and preserving ecosystem health, water conservation, carbon sequestration, growing plants in natural light only, and promoting soil conservation. In May 2019, Brother David's launched as a cannabis brand platform to elevate this new growing standard. 
Brother David is not only operating under agricultural best practices, it's also operating as a non-profit with 100% of profits going to improve the land, lives, and communities of our cannabis family, as well as towards ending federal prohibition once and for all. Amen, Brother David. Brother David's envisions a world where all our farming ecosystem are regenerative and organic, producing our food, clothes, personal care, and medicines in ways that support thriving rural economies and biodiverse wild habitats. It sounds like a dream, right? Both Moonmaid Farms and Bryceland Forest Farm are two of the eight farms represented in the Brother David's cannabis portfolio. As consumers, I think it's important for us to understand the significance of regenerative agriculture so we can make conscious decisions on where we spend our money and what we put into our bodies. So that all sounded like a mouthful, but settle in for my chat with Daniel because he is going to break it all down. And guess what? There's a cameo appearance by my sister, Crystal. So what do you say? It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Daniel, thank you so much for inviting me and my family to your farm today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so Bryceland Forest Farm. I mean, it really is a forest out here. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're tucked away in, in the beautiful coastal temperate rainforest of, of southern Humboldt here. I love it. It's beautiful. And you are a working food and cannabis farm. Mm-hmm. So your background, you said you grew up in Hawaii. You are, you know, a child of back to the lander. So yeah. tell me about your passion for farming. Yeah, well, I, I was actually born here in Humboldt on, on this property and um, grew up in Hawaii from a young age and then came back here about 20 years ago. Previous to coming back here in, in Hawaii, I, I started food farming there about close to 25 years ago, working on lettuce farms there and, and quickly discovered that my income from lettuce farming wasn't, not only wasn't enough to, to live on, it certainly wasn't enough to buy weed on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so starting, starting to grow uh, cannabis was, was a natural um, union with that. And, and so I, I started, uh, growing, growing cannabis there as well as, as, uh, food. And I, even though I, I came from here in Humboldt and my, my parents grew here, uh, as back to the landers in the, in the late seventies, when they left here, they, they pursued other careers and, uh, really used, uh, cannabis farming here as a, as a way to, to move forward with other aspects of their life. And, and so it was an opportunity for me to return to it. When, when I came back. Right on. I love that. So were they, are they surprised that you are just so emphatically about protecting the environment and the land? And I, I think they're, they're very pleased and, and proud. I think whether it's a, a, an unspoken goal or not of the back to the land hippies, like actually being a hippie and raising a hippie, <laughs> it, it is a special thing. <laughs> a, lot, so. a, a lot of the back to the land hippies, um, you know, raised amazing people that went into the world and did, did uh, uh, fabulous things. But um, not not too many of us stayed and, and stayed with these ideals of, of 
real back to land and environmental and, and community involvement that, that our parents founded here. Yeah. So, you know, you've hung out with my sister Crystal today mm -hmm. too. And so she's visiting me from Texas and a big theme of what we've been talking about over the last few days of being back together is the importance of doing things right and about surrounding yourself with people who are doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping that maybe we could have kind of a broad conversation about why it's important to, you know, be good stewards of the land and how to shop properly and, you know, kind of the ethos behind that and then some more practical, real-world things that we can do, um, you know, to be better. Excellent. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you, you know, it sounds so simple, but what we do matters. Yeah. It matters. What we do has an effect on the world, and it can be so overwhelming in the world right now, all that's going on, but every one of us is a part of it and every decision we make and everything we do has an effect that ripples outward. And I mean, you can see it in things as simple as like the choice you make on how you respond to somebody. If you're having a bad day, do you, do you take it out on the, the waitress at, at breakfast and, and then that ripples or do you, do you spread happiness and that ripples? So the things we do really, really, really do matter in the world. And so, I mean, we can talk about some of the choices we've made that we think matter and everybody has different things that matter to them mm -hmm. and different things that they think will make the world a better place. And I just think it's so important to follow those instincts and, and to do the work, to do the things that, that you know will make the world a better place. And I think that's easier when you live in a place that's so pristine and beautiful, like mm -hmm. Southern Humboldt. But, you know, I live in downtown Oakland. And, you know, yeah. someone where you're in a, a concrete jungle and, you know, and not necessarily like I can be at the ocean or the mountains and, you know, no time flat. But someone that lives in a life where they are just trying to keep the pace, they are just trying to make ends meet, you know, they end up being the people that are ordering their food from Postmates or, you know, getting doing the online grocery shopping. Hell, I even mentioned that to y'all. I'm like, I haven't had time to go to the store. Do we want to get online and order some groceries? Like, mm -hmm. you know, people make those decisions, but it's like, okay, why should we like pause and try to be planners or, you know, shop at our local farmer's market? And like, you know, why should we be making those decisions? Because you see it firsthand. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And and I would say also one of, one of the blessings is within that lifestyle, there are choices. When we're out here, we're, we're limited in our choices. You know, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm very connected to the fundamentals of what it is to live out here, but I, I can't order groceries online yeah. and uh, there, there's all these choices that aren't available. So when you are there in, in downtown Oakland, you have so many options. And I, I know that um, in our day-to-day -day life, it's easy because life can be such a challenge to say, well, I just want to make this a little bit easier. I just, I want to make things convenient and, and I really can't fault anybody for that because, you know, I, I know just just how challenging it is uh, yeah. in anyone's life. But I, I would say those, those decisions matter because we want to support the things in the world that make the world a better place. And, and there is a big difference. And especially in this day and age, I mean, when you, you can buy 
organic food that is making the world a worse place. Mm -hmm. You can buy food that isn't certified organic that's amazing because a small farmer grows this amazing food but doesn't certify it organically because, you know, it costs too much to them to, to pay for the certification. So I think one of the things that's the biggest challenge and the big work in it, and, and I think this goes up and down the spectrum, whether it's food, whether it's your cannabis, even in your personal lives, is putting the work in for relationships. And, and you know, relationships are work. And we all know that if we, you know, yeah. you, you're married or you have a partner or children or any of it, it's like relationships take the time to, to not only share, but to listen and, and I think that's a big part of, of what we have missing when we, you know, order food online from the grocery store, we're missing that relationship with directly with the people in the grocery store. Or when we order food online, instead of going to farmer's market, we're missing that relationship with the farmers. And so when you have a relationship with the farmers, you will hear like, what's really good this year? How has this year been? Oh, it was so wet. There hasn't been say this crop. So now it's getting shipped in from South America. So maybe that's not what we want to eat right now. If there's an option that's available, maybe spinach is better this year than kale mm -hmm. or you, you have those connections and therefore you can make these informed choices. You can, you can find a, a way in the world that, that is this network of information that isn't just an online network of information. It's a human connection and understanding. Well, and when you were saying that, I was also thinking, oh, when I do order groceries online, I'm removing all of those micro choices from my life because now there's a stranger standing in front of that produce aisle and they might see the that this was grown locally from Bryceland Forest Farm or this came imported from Mexico. And I'm not there to be able to make that choice at that time. So someone's yeah. making it for me. Or even that choice that's like, wow, that romaine does not look good. Maybe yeah. I'll get a butterhead instead. Yes, yes. Because you just click what you want mm -hmm. and, and don't have that. You're not touching it. You're not seeing it. And I think that one of the ways we can compartmentalize to feel less connection and empathy in the world is by disconnecting from it. And when we connect back into these essential things, you can't make these bad decisions to to cause harm because it's you. Like there's that, you know, we're yeah. all one to, mm -hmm. to get all woo-woo on you. Like yeah. we are all one. And when you remove yourself from that connection, it it makes it easier on your on yourself to make decisions that that will cause you harm if you um, don't choose to realize that right. they cause all of us harm. And, and when we connect into those basic things, we like naturally make the choices that are better for, for everyone. And I think that, you know, it's been a hard thing to bring it back to the cannabis sphere. You know, we're coming from the black market where there was no information. You mm -hmm. didn't know, you know, you, you maybe went to a, a guy who gave you a bag of weed and that's what he had and who knows where it was from. And he's like, it's Humboldt. Maybe they just sprayed some poison on it before they harvested it. Maybe yeah. they didn't. Who knows? And, and to this opportunity we have now of some responsibility and some connection, and there's challenges within that still within the, the regulatory structure that's set up around our current flaws in economy. But I have this chance as a farmer to connect with people 
and say, hey, this is where it's coming from. This is why it's doing, this is why we're doing the things we're doing. This is what that strain does for me. This is what I've selected for as a medicine over over generations of this strain um, and things like that, that, that allows people to have a direct experience and, and have an informed experience mm-hmm. with, with things that are a core piece of their life. Yeah. So let's dig into the dirt, if you will. Okay. And talk a little bit about the things that you are doing here that do set you apart from other food farmers and cannabis farmers and, and maybe how, you know, there's the synergy between those two practices that you have. Okay. I think one of the things that sets us apart is that we're on this evolutionary kind of road towards trying to figure out how to farm better. Mm-hmm. Farming, as industrialized farming took over traditional farming and production took over um, small family farms, um, farming's changed from a relationship with the land to an extractive economy, much like mining, where we're, we're, we're taking the nutrients and we're taking the carbon and we're, we're having a detrimental effect on, on the earth. And what our goal has been we, is how do we do this? How do we create food and medicine and anything we grow for ourselves and for our community while actually making the soil and the, the environment a better place? And, and so we're on that path. I don't think that there is a destination there. It, it, it's a path. But... Um, what we've really discovered is um, that by reducing tillage, we, we no longer rototill. So rototilling is a way that most farms turn the soil to make it more aerated. So roots and nutrients and things get mixed in and it's soft and it's fluffy and things grow. But what one of the things that rototilling does is it accelerates the natural decomposition process and, and makes it dominated by bacteria it throws off the natural balance of the topsoil okay and so when you do that it's like when you trip and you stumble one way and then you stumble the other when you throw off the natural balance you're constantly trying to get back to that balance and you're depending on a human analysis of a complex system to find that balance and i know it's possible i think maybe (laughs) Uh, human understanding of systems is complex uh, as the soil, but but for me, and I can't I can't wrap my head around it. I really just need to trust that if I take care and replicate natural systems that are functional, I'll create that balance, and that balance will sustain me. So our approach has been feeding the health of the soil and having the soil's health feed our plants and feed our crops. So what we've done to do that is we've taken rototilling and taken turning the soil and plowing and all of that completely out of the equation. So we let the soil develop its complex relationships on its own. And it develops more fungal relationships than bacterial relationships and earthworms thrive and lots of soil invertebrates thrive. And the organic matter that you add to soil then breaks down slower. We're getting all geeky here. So well, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's important for 
us to talk about it because people like me, you know, I don't have any experience with this, but after watching One Strange Rock on Netflix Mm -hmm. and seeing like, you know, the synergies of everything that's happening on our planet and our galaxy and yeah, there is a a woo-woo plan uh-huh. that we don't necessarily have to understand. We have to respect it. So and I appreciate thing, learning this from you. The big thing that in that, like the big uh, practical point is when things break down slowly with fungal matter and cover crops and decomposing undisturbed roots, what you get is you get stable organic matter that is made up of carbon being put into the soil. When you rototill carbon breaks down and gets released into the atmosphere. When you don't, carbon slowly decomposes and gets sequestered in the soil. So from the standpoint of where we're at on this planet right now and what we need to do to sustain ourselves on this planet, the topsoil of this planet has the biggest potential for helping us right now. And what we've been doing as industrial agriculture is mining it and putting it back in the atmosphere, just like we've been doing with fossil fuels. And what a no-till system, what these new kinds of agriculture have the possibility of doing is pulling that carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it back into the soil, not only to the benefit of, of the environment and the climate, but to the benefit of the taste of our food and right. the terpenes in our cannabis and, and the, the health of everything. So didn't so, your wife say we could eat our way out of the climate crisis? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a fun yeah. idea? Like, yeah, let's, let's do that. I, I, I attended a, a climate symposium in San Francisco a few mm-hmm. months back that was all focused on regenerative agriculture to solve the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and there is this movement in, uh, in cannabis, in, in grazing, in ranching, in, in food farming, that it's like, hey, this isn't only what we're going to solve the crisis with. This is awesome, you yeah. guys. Taste how good this is. Yes. Yeah, and so you won the Regenerative Farming Award at the Emerald Cup. In 2017. Okay, so you know what you're talking about. (laughs) We should all listen. I'm curious about it anyway. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, I'm curious about cannabis. So, I mean, I think curiosity leads to education and knowledge and walking the walk. So, you know, how many years into this are you? Uh, into farming, I'm about this, 25 years. Right, exactly. But then in this style where you've really like, okay, I'm intentionally doing this. I know how this works and I know what my place is. Uh, we are about seven years into it with our food farm and our cannabis. And, and I think what we were doing before was good too. Mm-hmm. But you always learn more. Yeah. You know, I, I think we've been slowly doing good and, and coming from uh, a home gardening perspective. And as my wife and I expanded into a farm where we wanted to produce food for our community, mm-hmm. we started um, compromising some of our ethics that we had as gardening, where we hand dug everything with shovels and we were so careful about everything. And we rototilled a couple of years and we were just like, I don't like what this looks like or what it does to our soil and and then we started looking into what we could do about that and that's where where we discovered this path and um with the cannabis we continued to cultivate cannabis in the way we had been like hand digging with shovels because we were such a modest um sized cannabis farm that we could the value of it versus the amount we were doing really justified 
putting so much hand care into it. And then we realized, well, like the veggies are looking really fantastic with this new system. Why are we putting all this work in with the cannabis hand digging these beds? Let's just stop tilling and do it like we're doing the veggies and see what happens. And oh, wow. It's like, it's cool. It's cool what happens. Yeah. That's so outstanding. So what were you telling us earlier when we were walking through the garden, the things that you can plant that really help amplify the terpenes and, um, and bring out those? Well, there's a number of plants that have really good positive relationships with, with cannabis that help not just cannabis, but help with other plants to bring out essential oils and terpenes and medicinal effects. And the two that we really focus on here in our garden is, is chamomile and yarrow, which really have beneficial effects for the plants around them. So I love that. So it's people, if they have these home gardens, they can add the chamomile in between their cannabis plants mm-hmm. in their garden or the yarrow, you said. And yarrow I would be a little bit cautious about because it can spread and, and, and take over areas. Uh-huh. But, you know, in, in a small garden where you're hand tending, it's, yeah. it's not really an issue. That's awesome. Well, sister, you're the green thumb. Are there any burning questions that you want answered? or? Well, I definitely wonder how I can put these practices to work in my own small, relatively small home garden. Mm-hmm. Because I see what you're saying, but I'm like, how does that work for me when I only have a few beds? Like, what can I do as a home gardener? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of different techniques you can do to start using no-till systems as a home garden. I think it can be as simple as there's techniques where, like lasagna gardening, where you just add organic matter on top and you plant through it. So if you're doing a home garden where you're you're growing up starts and you're transplanting them in, mm-hmm. that's a wonderful way to do it. You you layer in your compost and leaf material right. and then straw and then more compost and and you get this this really complex living system mm-hmm. on, on a few beds. If you're a home gardener and you're you're direct sowing seeds mm-hmm. of like carrots or, or peas or something like that. A lot of times seeds you need you need soil to plant in. So there's there's other techniques you would use. You could still do lasagna gardening and put, you know, a little pile of compost and put your seeds in it and, and water that in. Or you can do like what we do with some of the other farm areas where we do keep it bare soil. We don't do lasagna gardening. And we use special tools to, to be able to aerate the soil without turning it over, right. without disturbing it. Excellent. So you go to the farmer's market and help people like me who can't grow their own stuff at home. But what I see you doing is so much work. You know, you're telling Crystal about, you know, doing all, adding all of these bits and pieces and every plant has its own consciousness, basically. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot of fucking work that you put into all this. How do you make it as a cannabis farmer and as produce farmer this is your service this is your offering to the world and you know i want to make sure that people like you we need you and we need you to be able to survive and make a living i want people to understand the plight of someone who's doing the kind of service that you are so that we feel moved to get our asses (laughs) to the market you know it's hard yeah that to start off with it is takes passion it it takes um you know for me, uh, for my wife, Taylor, it comes from every time we've tried to do anything else with our life, it just doesn't make sense. And we keep coming back to what makes sense. Food farming, 
like anything, there's economies of scale. And the bigger you make it, the less expensively you can produce each unit. Mm -hmm. And then you can make more money off of a 100-acre farm than off of a 10-acre farm, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so when you're talking about a small farm, if that's where you want your produce to come from, and I'm really suggesting that that is where you want yes. your produce to come from, then you have to make that choice. Um, and it's not more expensive because, you know, when we go to farmer's market, we sell our produce at the, the same price as you would get it at the grocery store. But it takes choosing that. It takes um, choosing that relationship, going to the market, um, or or seeking out the, the places you can find that. Because you can, you can find great, great food grown by amazing farmers in, in the health food store, in, in the grocery store. I think like we were talking about earlier, it, it is making that choice. It's making an informed decision. And it's not just, um, you know, seeing organic lettuce from Earthbound Farm or whatever at Costco. It's seeing like, oh, I recognize that farm name. They're just up the street and they're a, a family that, that's doing this. And, and you're going to get it for the same price and it's going to taste better. And once you make that decision, it's going to be really easy to keep making that decision because it benefits you, not just the world. Yes, and two things. One, nothing pisses me off more than seeing someone at a farmer's market haggling with a farmer. <laughs> that makes me so mad. I'm like, pay the price for the this produce. Mm -hmm. But second of all, are there organizations that support farmers like you that that we can turn around and support as consumers well absolutely there's organizations um that support food farmers majorly and within the cannabis sphere i mean we work with flocana and one of the things they're doing is they're doing csa shares from small farms many of whom are cannabis farms as well that all of their employees get so they're supporting farmers who are are farming diversely and farming veggies as well by making sure that their veggies get out there and they're they're providing this service for their employees of of real food yes um and um within that that sphere we also work with um brother david's which is a, a new cannabis brand that came out from david bronner who is the ceo of dr bronner's and this is a uh, a nonprofit cannabis brand awesome. that is entirely farms that are Sun and Earth certified. Sun and Earth is a certification program that that has a set of standards that says you go way beyond what organic means. You're building up soil, you're building community, your workers are paid fair wages. It's a safe environment. And um, Brother David's, who is sourcing all from Sun and Earth Farms, is also a nonprofit brand. So the, the profits from it are going towards supporting regenerative agriculture, supporting the national decriminalization and legalization of cannabis Excellent. and justice for people who have suffered injustice under the cannabis prohibition. So, yeah, you can go out there when you go to the dispensary and, and choose to, to buy cannabis from, from Brother David's and you know that it's not only coming from a farm like this, but it's supporting the furthering of these ethics. You can find out about Flocana and find out about what they're doing in this food sphere. And then, um, you know, 
on a larger scale, there there's all sorts of organizations within um, within food farming and all sorts of certifications. But I still think the best way you can do that is go to your local farmers market, meet your farmers, ask them about how they farm. Yeah, because there's a there there are as many ways to farm as there are farmers, and and you'll learn a lot and. And it might not be your passion, but but it's pretty fun to geek out about um, kind of one of the most fundamental things in your life, you know, um, when it comes down to it. I talk a lot about cannabis. Like, we, we all smoke. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of us who smoke, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that, that everyone listening to this podcast has a passion <laughs> for cannabis. Um, and you go out into the next sphere, a lot of us smoke. All of us eat every single one of us eats food and and so the cannabis is this opportunity to connect about something that people are very passionate about and then bridge that conversation to something that sometimes we just take for granted you know food we it's an easy thing to take for granted in that way that we we take things for granted when they're so common Mm -hmm. um and stop seeing them for for the magic that they are and and let's build that bridge to like the sacredness of everyday things because, um, you know, food is sacred. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, my wife and I were just talking about this, um, you know, have, cause mother's day was just the other day and it's like, wow, the most difficult job on the planet being a mother. And it is so common that people forget how, magical it is how essential it is and and we were just expanding that to the things that are you stop seeing in the world because they're just there all the time the things you stop being being aware of because Mm -hmm. they're just there all the time and and how do we rejoice in those things not just on one day a year but bring ourselves into the present and i think that's the power of cannabis is to bring Mm -hmm. us into the present not live in in this, um, you know, future or past tense or digital world, but to bring us into this present moment and be like, oh my goodness, this, this leaf of lettuce is magical. Mm -hmm. How is this what I get to eat right now? Mm -hmm. And, and the same with cannabis, like, you know, when you open that jar, when you, when you start breaking apart that bud and, and you start thinking somebody months and months and months ago started a seed that has been bred by humans for thousands of years from person to person from generation to generation choosing traits that are making you feel the way you feel when you smoke it and then it's grown up under the sun and and watered with rainwater and all that's gone into that and there you have it with you right then and and this like this trail this chain that goes all the way back to the source all the way back to humans thousands of years ago finding a plant and being like I like this this yeah. makes me feel good how do i make it make me feel a little bit better next year and then a little bit better next year and here we are with this amazing amazing medicine and and it i think cannabis is this wonderful opportunity because it makes you think like that right it it brings you out of your your rut and into your groove yeah and and, yeah it's a good way to put it and it's magic and it is nice to you know to be brought into that level of consciousness so that you know i see people all the time scarfing down food 
that maybe took you two hours or all day to prepare and then they scarf it down in like five minutes and you kind of feel offended. Like, I'm not sure you were really conscious for what just happened. The irony is as a farmer, I do that more often than you realize. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on food in the field and I come in for lunch and I shove it in my face as I'm running back out to the field. But, um, such is the juxtaposition of right. life, you know? Well, and then, of course, as you're saying all of that about all of these elements, and then now you have me thinking about the entire ecosystem under the dirt that's involved. Like, I'm, like, seeing the little centipede and the and the fungus and the bacteria and all of the things. Like, it is. It's, it it's is, magic. And it is more alive than we know. There's more life in the earth than there is above it. it it's phenomenal yeah and the attention and the love and the excitement and the appreciation that you put into the food that you grow or the cannabis that you grow is translated energetically vibrationally to the person who is cellularly taking in or you know inhaling the smoke i mean it is just it is a transfer that's why it feels so good that's why it tastes so good that's why it's so much more beneficial to your body that's why the the nutrients are off the charts it's it's not only what you're doing, but it is who you are. That is really your hands in the dirt and transferring your love for yourself and your family and your planet and this land and the, the things that you do. That makes such a big difference. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you. I, I really feel that there's this, and I've seen this with cannabis, there's this natural intelligence that this plant has. And if you provide the environment for, for it to have anything it wants it chooses to develop itself in a way that it's needed. And and I know that sounds, that, that no, sounds, sounds a bit like weird. No, it sounds like us as humans too. But it creates this relationship and it develops in its fullness. And that allows it to be what it needs to be as a medicine. And that's why I encourage people who, who do smoke, who go out there and, you know, almost the way it's grown, I feel almost matters more than the strain. Like we yes. go out there and we get this relationship with a strain, you know, like, you know, I like blue dream or, or whatever it is. And, and then that's a controversial statement in the weed world, by the yeah. way, I do like blue dream. I'll admit it. I love it. I, I love those, those old I school like sativas. Well. Um, but, um, to have this relationship, but when you start smoking, the same strain from different places and have these different experiences, you start realizing like, oh, well, it's how it's grown that also expresses it. And I, I feel like one of the things we've done is provided an environment that allows it to express itself fully the way it most wants to. And, and that allows this connection for people, whether they're aware of it or not, to have this connection all the way back to the most basic elements of life. It, it's one of the things that keeps us going is like knowing that when people smoke our cannabis, whether they know who we are or have heard of it, know where it's coming from or not, they are directly connected in their spirit, in yes. their mind, in their consciousness back to this soil back to this sun and these trees that surround us and the rains that happened last week on the cannabis we had just planted and and all these things and and that that kind of connection is what makes us feel whole as people yes. i think there's this phenomena that 
that's kind of described sometimes as, as a hungry ghost mm-hmm. phenomena where, mm-hmm. where in modern society we have this, um, this emptiness, this longing for something that that's hard to, to put our finger on hard to describe. And it's this longing for, for connection, connection to the oneness is what yes. I, what I think it comes from. And the oneness comes for me personally from this planet, from this soil and the rain and the air and all of it. And, and so I feel like, you know, no material things ever quench a hungry, hungry ghost, no, no amount of, of substance. Yeah. And, and so if we can, for a moment in somebody's consciousness, connect them back to something that can quench that, I think it's only quenched by connection back to the one connection to love connection to people connection to the world. And, um, I think we can do that. Yes. I, I think that that's one of the magics of cannabis. It's like, it, it's this magical plant ally that's like, oh yeah, yeah. come back, come back yeah. to us. Here we are. We've been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Come back and give us a hug. Yeah. Yes, totally. Sister, did you have something you want to say? Cause yes, I, I feel like that is what you're doing. Both of you with your cannabis and your food is that people are going to get this connection where they, they know it or not. They can't even help <laughs> Sneaky, it. Huh? It is just like, <laughs> and then that allows the space and for them to begin waking up on the inside, which then will somehow at some point get those work wheels into turning. their brain. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like the nutrients and the everything that we've needed that they didn't know they need that they never had. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Hey, that was really good. That tasted good. Let's go back and do that again, or yeah. let's find more about and that. And if you're satiated, you don't need to, to go buy another plastic thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or get back on your phone and, yeah. and check Absolutely. on it again. Or, you know. Well, and as you're talking about all of that, too, I just, you know, people that aren't as wooey as we are, <laughs> it's just like raising children. If you're really confident parents that give your children space to just become who they are meant to be or are you the parents that are so rigid that you're like you're going to the school you know this is the uniform you're going to wear this is your path and so you're forced into something and then all of a sudden you're a grown person or thing and you're like "Ah, this doesn't feel right I don't fit like you're not going to get the same thing out of that person as you are the human that was able to grow and be free and just express themselves for the human being that they are. And that's what this type of product does to that person who's out there floating, who doesn't know what to do or what they're here for, or how to make a decision on their own, is begin informing them internally with a higher yeah. consciousness. And connect them to that nat- natural right. intelligence that, that like, um, we're trying to connect our, our plants to. Yes. And as humans, we can connect to that. And yes. I, th- I think we call it intuition. That's right. Yeah. Cannabis is the gateway to connection. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> well, I have had so much fun sitting here visiting with you. Is there anything that you want to tell us about? Some parting words, how people can find you, how can they kind of get involved in this movement? Yeah. Um, you can find us on social media. We're Bryceland Forest Farm on Instagram and Facebook and dot com and all that stuff and okay. and, and that's a, a a fun way to just uh you know see pictures of what we're up to on the farm hear about what's coming out and 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 maybe where where you can find us in the real world to talk to us mm-hmm. what about any educational resources for people wanting to 
dig their fingers in the dirt. Oh man, there's so much out there. Um, Do you have any that you've put out? I have not. Okay. But that's all right. Give it time. That may happen too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tend to put out as much education as I can on, on our Instagram posts. I I have like those kind of run on posts where I post a picture and there's like a story with it and details about how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it and what's going on. So, so I, I do a lot of that and and share that way. I've done a lot of speaking engagements and hope to continue doing that in various places and events at dispensaries and, and within the farming community and it, you know, come up to Humboldt. Come visit. We're at Farmer's Market in Garberville every Friday from 11 till 3. Come visit. <laughs> and uh, would love to see you. Other than that, um, man, there there's so much out there in terms of books and information. I would just start looking into soil, looking into to plants and, and discover your own path. Discover what you're passionate about because not everybody's going to be passionate about the same things. And I... Where where the world is most vibrant and diverse is where people do, like we were just talking about with children. People do follow those passions and and gather information from it and distill it in, in a form that they can share with people that don't necessarily share that daily passion, but can can have that gem, have that that bit of it that comes from those people's passion. And and I my passion is soil and farming and food and cannabis and you know, I other people's passion can be whatever, but I yeah. enjoy it so much talking to people about, you know, anything from art to cars to buildings to, you know, I, I, I love what people do when they're passionate about doing it and also passionate about what they're doing, making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, ultimately, I, it just starts with asking a question and having a conversation like we did here today. Hey. All right. Excellent. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for hanging thank out and for having us here. What, now I get to fun. try this goat cheese. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> it's delicious. Thanks, Juniper. <laughs> Regenerative agriculture can change the ag industry from being a major contributor to climate change to becoming a major solution. The thought of course correction feels daunting. And if you watch too much news, it feels pretty hopeless. So I don't do that. And frankly, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you probably would be a happier person if you watched less news and television. But I look for small and simple ways that I can do the right thing for myself, my community, and the planet that we all share. One simple thing that you can do is pass this podcast on to a friend. Unless you're like Dion, then that's a tough ask. I mean, she is technically challenged. So if you feel technically challenged and you don't even know how to forward a podcast, just use your words. Tell them about your friend Joe. (laughs) Do it or don't, but do. And if you don't already, plan your produce shopping around the local farmer's market. And talk to your farmers when you're there. It's a job of blood, sweat, and tears, and it doesn't pay well, people. Farming takes grit because unexpected shit happens all the time. And small farms, they don't have a giant piggy bank or a money tree out back when things go wrong. So ask your farmers how they are. Support them with your compassion, 
but also cash is fucking great. Tip your farmer, whatever you can, whenever you can. I mean, I go into a fast food restaurant and there's a space for me to tip my restaurant worker. Well, these farmers are putting way more effort into your meal than those super kind Chick-fil-A drive-through people. I mean, nicest drive-through people ever. Nicest staff at Chick-fil-A ever. I mean, I still call them hate chicken sandwiches because they don't like gay people, but getting really off course here. Growing our food, flowers, and plant medicine is the biggest service of all. And here's an idea. If you're a business owner, I encourage you to take a page out of the Flocana playbook and support local agriculture by providing CSA boxes to your employees. It's an amazing work perk to go home with a box full of free veggies grown with love and you're supporting the entire community and ecosystem in the process. Seriously, you will be a fucking hero. Yes, it is. It's high time. Taylor said something while weeding the arugula and holding her baby and talking to us that stuck with me. She said, global warming is a problem we can eat our way out of. Oftentimes in life, the most complicated problems untangle with the simplest of solutions. I hope you'll explore this idea further in the podcast 90 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And if you're doing something cool to support your local farmers, I want to know about it. Message me through the website, tag Casually Baked in your social post, or DM me. I'm at Casually Baked. And to all of my farmer friends and family out there, thank you for your service and contribution to our communities and for being stewards of our beloved planet Earth. Together. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.